Shalom, and welcome to Kehilat Rosh Pina, a dynamic, multicultural, and growing Messianic Jewish congregation located in the heart of Oklahoma City and led by Rabbi Michael Weigand. Our goal is to bring you the message of the Word each week from a Jewish perspective and to exalt Messiah Yeshua as Lord and Savior overall. We are a loving congregation made up of both Jew and Gentile, now one in the Messiah, with Shabbat morning services at 10.40 a.m. and various studies throughout the week. Please come and join us next time you are in Oklahoma City. We would love to have you. And now, we hope you enjoy today's message. I was looking at my paper copy of the Bible, you know, the real book, book one, and I noticed in this week's parasha that I had made a note, a notation in the margin in my Bible. How many of you make notations in your Bible? It's, uh, I have one Bible I don't write in at all, but I have another one that I use for notes. Let me see again. How many make notations? All right. I'm good company today. And the note was rather a simple one. In the margin, I'd read it, I wrote it in blue ink, which is usually my habit to do. And it was a simple one, and it served as a personal reminder for me, or to me, of something that was pretty significant. And that personal reminder is what happened 20 years ago. 20 years ago. I know today is September 4th. But 20 years ago, according to the Hebrew calendar... We were stunned and concerned, and we were a hurting within group as we gathered. Some of you were there, Leslie and many, many others, Alpha, as we gathered that first Shabbat after 9-11 over at 3106 North Utah Avenue. And I was spending time thinking of what was it like for us as a Rosh Pina community then in what we now call the old building. You know, there were some feelings, there, there was, it, it just seemed like if I recall, and I, Peter and those that were there also would probably remember this, but there was just like a, a little, little hush on us, that, or it wasn't the usual boisterous joking, laughing, there was very few smiles, it's, at least that was my perspective, what I saw. And it was this parasha that came up, parashat nitzavim. That's the link here. It's this week's parasha was the parasha that came, I believe it was four days after the World Trade Center bombing, and we gathered at our old facility, 3106 North Utah, and we gathered as a stunned people. We gathered with a little bit of intrepidation. We gathered with concern. We gathered with other feelings there. So this Shabbat, the notation I made in my Bible, right next to the beginning of this week's parasha, Nitzavim, the notation I made in my Bible now is 20 years old. And 20 years have passed. And think about your own life. What has happened in your life the last 20 years? Probably quite a bit. For some, they've, they've experienced the joys of being married. <laughs> For some, they've experienced the trials of being married. <laughs> some have switched jobs. Some have switched locations there. 
But as I like to say, and I know you would agree with this, although we may go through our changes in life, there's one thing that is for sure is that he doesn't change. He is, as I was praying, the rock of our salvation. 20 years ago, Parashat Nitzavim, Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 10 is where my little note was. In some translation, it's verse 9. 20 years ago, we were looking to him to be the rock of our salvation, to be the comfort of our soul, to be the one who supplied answers to us and gave us guidance and directed us at that time. And some of you remember how you felt at that time. Just think about it, how you felt what was going through your heart and mind and your own inner being as you, you pondered and you saw the pictures and, and, and the smoke and the flames and all, all else that went with it, an increasing number of dead. It sure was sobering. I also recall that, that first prayer meeting after 9-11 at our facility at 3106 North Utah. <laughs> Let's say the place was packed. It was full. For some, that's the only time they ever came to the prayer meeting. It was that time, a week or two there. remember talking with pastor friends here. We were recently relocated here, uh, a little over a year before that, talking to pastor friends, and they, they, they kept saying, wow, look at all these people coming, and they kept saying, it's not going to keep going, though. It's one thing to start, it's another thing to start and finish. How many know what that's like? <laughs> uh, by the way, the reason you're here today is because you start, you left your home, and you finished your drive to here, or your walk, in the case of uh, the Grabens. You finished your walk, <laughs> your, your drive. You know what? The Lord is able to complete the good work He's done. He starts it and He forgets. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. Blessed be his name. Parashat Nitzavim, the portion of Nitzavim. Devarim, Deuteronomy chapter 20. Again, verses 9 or 10, depending on your translation. Let me remind you what it says. And if you can picture, maybe some of you recall, because some of you were there at Rosh Pina at that time. I can see you here. You were there at that time, so you'll remember this. But there we come to Parashat Nitzavim, right after the World Trade Center. We come to this passage of Scripture. It says, Atem Nitzavim Hayom, Kulchem, Lifnei Adonai Elohechem. You, all of you, stand today before the Lord your God. That's the first statement of the parasha. All of you stand today before the Lord your God. And I can tell you, and I'm, I'm, excuse me for reminiscing a little bit, but I can tell you that I felt that passage that day. I felt like the whole nation, even the whole world, it was so obvious that, that everyone was standing before the Lord. Now I know in the power of shots, Moshe, Rabbeinu, speaking to the children of Israel. And afterwards, let me read what it says, in fact, continuing in Deuteronomy chapter 29. All of you stand today before 
Lifnei Adonai Elohechem, before the Lord your God. And then in a unique way, it delineates what Kulchem means, what all of you means. It says, all of you stand today before your, the Lord your God, your leaders and your tribes and your elders and your officers, all the men of Israel, your little ones and your wives, also the stranger who is in your camp, from the one who cuts your wood to the one who draws your water. Hallelujah for verse 12. The next verse. You stand before the Lord your God, today before the Lord your God, Hayom, that you may enter into covenant with the Lord your God. And into his oath, which the Lord your God makes with you today, that he may establish you today as a people for himself. And that he may be God to you, just as he has spoken to you, and just as he has sworn to your fathers, to Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, in this passage, it's quite glorious. They're standing before the Lord. They're about to enter into the land of promise. And, and Moshe is saying to them, he's expounding to them, explaining to them that they're entering into a covenantal relationship, a deepened covenantal relationship with the Lord. But I'll tell you, on that September day 20 years ago that I made a note of in my Bible, it didn't feel at all like that. It felt like, what's going on here? Have you ever had that kind of experience in your life where you're wondering, what's going on? Things come upon your life, you don't know where they're coming from. Individuals arise, you don't know where they're coming from as they approach you. In this case, in the parashah Nitzavim, you're standing today to enter into, that you may enter, as verse 12 says, into covenant with the Lord your God. It's noteworthy, I think, from this parasha, particularly it stands out in English, it's noteworthy that the very first verb in the portion, the first verb, is the verb stand. Stand. Now, you would agree with me this is a commonly used word, not only in the Scripture, but in the English language. Stand. And it's a commonly applied word to our lives. We were standing just a few minutes ago as we prayed, as we worshipped. And checking out, at least there are about 400 mentions of the word stand or something related to that idea in the Bible, 400 times. In fact, the first verse of Tehillim of Psalms, the first psalm says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful or the scoffers. Here's the very first psalm, gives you almost a composite view of life. Walking, standing, and sitting, which describes much of what we do in life. The psalm, by the way, ends in verse 6 in Tehillim, the first mizmor, the first psalm. 
It ends in verse 6 with these words, and I would suggest to you they're very potent words. Their application still is here for us. It says in verse 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the godly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Goes through a few more verses, then we come to verse 6 of the first psalm, and it says, notice this please. For the Lord knows (laughs) the way of the righteous. It doesn't stop there. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly, as this translation says, the way of the ungodly shall perish. And based on these, these two ideas, we realize that God seems to have a, a grouping. He sees two types of people, those that are what this scripture calls the righteous, and also those that this scripture calls the ungodly with two eventual outcomes. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall do what? Perish. I don't know what that does for you, but that sure makes me want to make sure I'm going down the path, that, that straight and narrow path. How about you in your life? Rather than that wide way that everyone seems to be going down that leads to destruction, you want to go down that straight and narrow way irregardless of what other people do. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. There are many that go down there, but straight and narrow is that path that leads to life, to true life, everlasting life, the life that only God can give us. Now, Scripture, as I mentioned, curiously, the term stand in one form or another, stand, standest, uh, depending on the trend, standing, uh, the idea of stand, all that, continually recurs in Scripture. And it, it's much more than just standing there like I'm doing now. I'm standing on this beam on the stage. For example, you'll recognize some of these verses. I'm not going to give you the address, but you'll recognize these sayings from the Bible. How many of you have heard this from the Scripture? Stand still and see the salvation of God. How many of you have heard that one before? <laughs> Good. You must know the Passover story. <laughs> Do you know this one? If you know this one, please raise your hand. And you, having done everything, stand. Some of you had your hand up before I finished. That's not fair. It's a little fair. How about this one? Where we're exhorted to stand fast in the liberty wherein Messiah has set you free and be not entangled again in a yoke of bondage. How many of you know that one? A few less hands on there. We need to maybe study Galatians a little bit more. And then there is this idea, and it's, it's so often I'm not going to pick, pick a particular verse that, that mentions this, but you'll get it. There's this idea with many biblical characters, characters that are in the Bible, who find themselves standing before kings and rulers. How many of you remember that's in the Scripture? It happened to Yeshua, it happened to Rav Shaul, it happened to uh, the, the prophets of old. They had to end up standing before the king or the ruler. 
And Yeshua often used the idea of standing. He used the term stand. He used this action, this idea of standing quite often. In fact, more often than I have time to go through, but let me mention a few. And again, if you remember these passages of Scripture, please raise your hand. Here, he said this. A house divided against itself shall not stand. Georgia had her hand up so quick back there. <laughs> a house divided against itself shall not stand. That wasn't Abraham Lincoln. He was quoting Yeshua when he said that. Do you remember this one? Again, if you know it, raise your hand. Whenever you stand praying, good. Now, how about what it says afterwards? Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, whoo, if you have anything against anyone, there's not a little asterisk or a little note in the margin like I had in my Bible for this week's parasha. If you have anything against anyone, uh-oh, you know what it says after? It's two words. Forgive him. How many know that's in the Bible too? Forgive him. Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. And then there's this statement, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. All that was based upon when you're standing praying. And perhaps it's an allusion to the Amidah prayer, the, this ancient prayer that is the very core of Jewish liturgy in the synagogue to this very day, the Shemoni Yisrael. Yeshua also pointed out in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matatiao, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, that there were some among them, quote, that loved to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, Okay, but it's the next phrase. Read it with me, please. That they may be seen by men. Friends, if you're going to pray, make sure you're seen by God. If you want to be seen by men, you'll get your reward right there. But if you want to be seen by God, you find that secret place of prayer where the piercing eyes of humanity is not but the all-hearing ears of God and the all-seeing eyes of God are found. That prayer closet is so often called. Yeshua said there were those that loved to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. And as I mentioned this week's Torah portion, Parashat Nitzavim, the setting is the children of Israel were nearing Jericho. They were about to cross the Jordan River. As we spoke about last week, there are going to be a lot of changes that come to them, that would come to them. And Moshe told them again, all of you stand today. One translation says, you are standing today, all of you. Or as they say in the South, you all are standing before the Lord your God. Now, here's the premise, and I will conclude with this idea, just to, to maybe pique some interest and stimulate some thinking. Moshe said that many, many centuries ago, 
over three millennia prior. He said, all of you stand today before the Lord your God. Here's the premise that I want to ask you. Are things different now? He told them confidently in the time when they were about to go through some tremendous changes, they were going to enter into a new land that they had not been into and all that we spoke about last week. He told them, you are standing today before the Lord your God. Are things different now? Whereas Moses boldly and, and unabashedly and inclusively told all of them, you remember the list? All of you, he says. Kulchem, all of you. And he begins to list your leaders, your everyone. Your men, your women, your children, those that are cutting your wood, those that are drawing your water, etc. You all stand before the Lord your God. It's as if there was no exclusion of anyone that was found within the community or connected to the community. Even the foreigners that were among Israel at that time were included in Moshe's words. And he told them they were standing that day before the Lord their God. Friends, are things different now? Or maybe a, a secondary question. Should we declare to those around us that today they are standing before the Lord their God and they may not even realize it? Should we make that clear to people? Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Should we be telling them, regardless of their background, their age, their ethnic background, their politics, their vocation, their education level, their, their weight, their talents, the color of their eyes or the color of their hair? Moses told the whole community, men, women, servants, all of them, leaders, the shotrim, the, the ones that were among them, he said, you're all standing before the Lord your God. Hayom. Can you say Hayom? This day, today. Should we be saying that to the folks we know? And most importantly, let us start here with us. Should we be aware of this on a daily basis that what we are saying, what we are doing is before the Lord God of Israel? Now I know the doors may be closed or we may think no, no one knows what's happening up here, but... It should comfort us to know that he loves us so much. He loves us completely. He knows us completely. Not a single sparrow falls from the sky, Yeshua said, that the Lord doesn't know about it. I suggest the answer to the question, are things different today, is no. I suggest to you to ponder the idea that actually you can do kind of a mosaic ministry with folks and point that out to them, that what they are doing now, today, Hayom, is before the Lord God's eyes and ears. What they do with what you tell them is them before God. But it's as if we're commissioned to make known to this world 
that the Lord sees and knows everything, and hallelujah, the King of Kings is coming back again at a time that we don't know. There used to be, uh, when it's least expected, you're elected. How many of you remember that? <laughs> when it's least expected, Yeshua is going to return. He said, no one knows the day nor the hour, except my Father in heaven. You may be surprised if you begin to speak like that to people. When you are willing to do that, put yourself on the line, so to say, and to proclaim boldly like Moshe did, proclaim boldly to them that the actions we do and the words that we say are actually all known by the Lord. You may be offering that individual you're speaking to an opportunity to change their ways before the Lord. They may also reject what you say. But again, it's not on you. It's on them. We're responsible for who? For ourselves. Helping our community and do all we can to not place a stumbling block before others. Now Joel, Yoel chapter 3, says this. Begin with verse 11. The Hebrew prophets seemed to see not only the, the, the total sovereignty of God when it came down to individual folks, but also the rulership of God over all the nations. And Yoel, Joel chapter 3, verse 11 says, Assemble and come. Notice these next three words. All you nations. And gather together all around. Cause your mighty ones to go down there, O Lord. Let the nations be wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, go down, for the winepress is full. The vats overflow, for their wickedness is great. That's the context for one of the most quoted verses in the book of Joel, which is the very next verse, which is verse 14 of Joel chapter 3. Uh, the numbering can differ with some translations. Have you heard this one before? If you've heard this statement before, please raise your hands. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. How many have heard that one before? Multitudes, multitudes. Not doesn't just use the term multitude once, but twice. Double emphasis. That there are multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Could this text be suggesting that people are in the valley of decision right now? Wasn't that part of this week's parasha? Wasn't what the Torah portion said, those who had the opportunity and took the opportunity to read what the portion said, this concept of choosing life, of choosing blessing over the opposite of blessing, the biblical idea of cursing? Wasn't that what the Torah was telling us? Isn't that what the new covenant teaches us? To make the right choices in life that lead to true life, righteousness rather than ungodliness. Rav Shaul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. <laughs> Ponder this one 
as we enter into the high holy days and Yom Teruah, Rosh Hashanah, the blowing of the shofar and all that's connected to that, the Tekiyagidullah. Rav Shul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Messiah. Notice how it says the next part, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. I'll remind you, this is not a judgment concerning salvation. Actually, you're choosing that now. You're in the value decision now. Will you serve Yeshua now? Because the moment that breath leaves you, that's done. Now's the day of salvation. Tem nitzavim hayom kulchem you are standing today all of you before the Lord your God that's now friends if you love your neighbors if you love your family members and I mean speaking in love let them know about these things it's coming whether they believe it or not and let us start here with us with you and me because at this, at this moment, every person of every nation, every living soul right now, every hum, living human being is existing right now before the eyes of God and the ears of God. And he is the great judge. He's the Melech Hamlachim, the King of Kings. Like those who've gone before us in life and in history, we too are standing before the Lord this day as we enter into the Yamim Hanoraim, the ten days of awe. Let's not forget that actually it's 365 days of awe because to be before the, God, the Lord God of Israel is an awesome thing. With each day, with each day, God gives us life. May we serve him. There's a much-quoted passage. In fact, I really like this passage. It's Messianic Jews, chapter 4, verse 13. But I really say that about every passage I read, pretty much. I really like this one. And next week, I really like this one. And you do the same thing, so you can laugh at me if you want. <laughs> But Messianic Jews, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13 says, There is no creature hidden from his sight. How many are hidden from his sight? No creature. Nothing created is hidden from his sight. And then it goes on and says, But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him. And notice this last phrase, The eyes of him to whom we must give account. So Monday evening, Lord willing, as we begin the Moadim, enter into the fall feast of the Lord, culminating eventually with Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, we want to make sure that we're recognizing this day, what's happening right now, that we do stand before the Lord our God and one of the basic themes of the High Holy Days, the Autumn High Holy Days, 
one of the basic themes happens to be the Lord's kingship, that he's the melech, he's the king. We say part of the liturgy, you'll, you'll remember it, some of you will hear it for the first time as you attend services, say, Adonai melech, Adonai malach, Adonai yimloch le'olam va'ed. The Lord was king, the Lord is king, and the Lord shall be king. How long? Forever and ever. Le'olam va'ed. And it also says, Messiah Yeshua, help me, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm going to leave you, and I would like to invite our worship team to come up as we prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper, if they would please. I want to leave you with a passage of Scripture. that It's a sum, summation passage of Scripture. This wonderful juxtaposition of the Gregorian calendar uh, this year with the High Holy Days. It allows us to have the Lord's Supper just before we enter into the High Holy Days. I want to remind you of Rob Shaul, what Paul the Apostle wrote. He wrote this to the Romans in chapter 5 beginning with verse 1. You'll see thematically this connects with quite a bit of what we've been expressing here this morning, not just myself, but going back to Jonathan and, and forward through Christopher and the worship team. Romans 5, verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by what? Faith. Do you believe in your heart that Messiah Yeshua is the Lord? that he's raised from the dead, he's coming back again. Therefore, having been justified by, by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Yeshua the Messiah, through whom also we have access by faith into, and this is the last reference to stand that I want to present to you. The nearly 400 references, this one just, uh, can I say, just stands out to me today. Through whom also we have access by faith, verse 2, Romans 5, into this grace in which we stand. We stand today before the God because of His grace and mercy, and that is the only reason. Blessed be His name, how good He is to us. And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Do you glory in your tribulations? <laughs> Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, who was given to us. And verse 6 reminds us of why we're having the Lord's Supper today. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Messiah died for the ungodly. You've been listening to the Shabbat message from Rosh Pinah Messianic Jewish Congregation in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. We would love to have you visit us. Our weekly services begin at 10.40 a.m. each Shabbat. And we are located at 2600 Northwest 55th Place north of Northwest Expressway at the corner of Northland Avenue and Northwest 55th Place. We meet each Shabbat for wonderful praise and worship with dance, liturgy, teaching, food, fellowship, excellent children's programs, and Bible studies on Tuesday nights. For more information, please visit our website, www.roshpinah.org. That's R-O-S-H-P-I-N-A-H dot O-R-G. You can also reach us by phone at 405 405- 
842-1967 or email us at info at Thank you for spending time in the Word with us today. Shabbat Shalom and blessings in Messiah Yeshua.